In this week's show, we're going to continue our summertime series, Performance Equals Profit, Part 7. Today, we're going to talk about three key components. First of all, your CSR is going to learn how to sell service agreements like a boss. Your technicians are going to learn how to diagnose problems and recommend solutions. So the homeowner's job is to buy or not to buy, but you've got to stay focused on diagnosing problems and recommending solutions. And our sales advisors are going to learn step three in the sales process, surveying the home and why that's so important. Welcome to Cracking the Code, the show that helps you overcome the challenges you face every day in contracting and keeps you on the cutting edge of emerging trends and best practices. Welcome to the audio version of Cracking the Code. Now this was originally a video show, so if you hear us talking about something related to an image or any other visual element, you can see what we're talking about by going over to egia.org show and see what we're doing there in Cracking the Code. Thanks for listening. Let's get started. In this week's CSR segment, we're going to talk about a very important subject, and that is, at the end of the day, the importance of keeping the dispatch board full, right? We've got to keep our guys active. We've got to keep them busy. Activity, activity, activity. So we're going to join Brigham Dickinson as he discusses the importance of keeping that dispatch board organized and full and ready to go. You make a phone call and they respond and depending on how they respond it could ruin your day or make your day because guess what you make that cell you don't just make one cell you don't have a lone cell ever hardly ever you have four cells or five cells or six cells but then you go through these droughts right where you have no cells and that no cell day turns into no cell weeks and hopefully they don't turn into no cell months because who, who knows how long you'll have that job but when you have those droughts, those ebbs and flows, right, in, in this business, it's tough. I don't envy you, even though I have played your role. I am one of you. When you are doing an outbound phone call, it's not an easy job. And it all depends on this thing that I like to call momentum. You have momentum or you don't have momentum. Here's the thing, though. Your customer does not create that momentum. Who creates that momentum? That's right, you create that momentum. So how do you create that momentum? You see, in the back of your head, you're going, geez, if I can just get one cell, well then, it helps me throughout the day and I get many cells. And you think that it was that customer that, that provided that. No, no, not at all. It was you. You did it. So how do you create momentum day in and day out so every day is a successful day? I'll give you a couple of tricks. First thing you need to do is follow the pattern for excellence. Now in the back here you're going, what is the pattern for excellence? Especially if this is the first video you've seen when it comes to your call center. Pattern for excellence is an opportunity to start with the right mindset, where you're positive, you're confident, you listen, you care, you say yes, you ask the right questions, you build value in a very unique way for that specific customer, and you're grateful. Once you've mastered the pattern for excellence, there's a few other things that you can do to make sure that you have that momentum every time you get on the phone. The first is, is to answer a few inbound calls. In fact, I would start every day two hours taking inbound phone calls. Once you've mastered the pattern for excellence, it's then about starting the right way. How do you start the right way? Take a few inbound phone calls. This is a great way to create momentum. I get on an inbound phone call and I create a wow experience for that customer. I've booked the call, it's very simple, 
customer likes me, they trust me because I've used the foundation in the pattern for excellence. Now all I have to do is say, hey, Mr. Jones, I'm looking at your notes and I noticed you don't have a service room with us. Why not? And they say, oh, wow, well, I, you know, I just didn't think about it or, or you know, something held me back or I was trying to lower the price at, at the time and uh, just, I don't know, I just never got around to doing it. Well, Mr. Jones, it, it prevents things like this, the thing you're dealing with right now from happening. If you want it, I can get you going on it right now. And you sell it. What did you just do? You created that momentum, that first sell, that, that spark, right? And then you take another phone call. And you go through, you create that wow experience, and you tell them about the service agreement, and it's like shooting fish in a barrel. You got them. They're ready to go over and over and over again. You get a few cells in the morning, and then you go to the outbound phone calls. Simple transition. You say the same things. Hey, Mr. Jones, it prevents things like this from happening. It's important to get a service agreement. We come out in the spring and the fall and take care of your system, uh, prevent premature breakdowns, all those types of things. But it's easy because of the momentum you already created. So that's the goal. You want to create momentum for yourself. Don't rely on customers to create momentum. Create your own momentum. Outbound telemarketing is tough. Outbound, that's a really scary thing. Telemarketing, another scary thing. You put those two phrases together, outbound telemarketing, what are you, crazy? I don't want to do any, I don't want to have any part of that. But somebody's got to do that job. And if you're going to do that job, you might as well start out with momentum. You've got to have momentum, and it's got to come from inside. You create the momentum, not the customer. You do that. And you do it by following the pattern for excellence, as well as starting out with a few easy calls, some inbound calls. Take those calls for about two hours, and then the rest of the time, about six hours, do those outbound calls. You do that every day, you're going to have sales every day. Now I'm sure as most of you know, building a strong set of service agreement customers is critically important to the success of the, of the, of the company. It's the foundation of the company. So I want you to join me once again with, with Brigham Dickinson. He's going to talk about the role that the CSR can play in selling service agreements to the homeowners. Now the reason why this video is so important is that there's a lot of business owners out there that like to leave this responsibility to your technicians. And I can understand why you want to do that. You don't know what kind of service agreement is needed for that specific customer in that specific type of home. I get it. But if you have the opportunity to just let your technicians do it, they visit what? Three, maybe four homes a day, tops. That means you have the opportunity to sell three or four service agreements a day per technician. Now in the back here you're saying, yeah, that's pretty good. And that's, that's all fine and good. But look, if you can teach your CSRs to sell service agreements, how much of a difference would that make for your company? How many more service agreements would you have? Think about it for just a moment. Your CSR answers how many phone calls a day? 20? 30? What that means is they have 20 to 30 opportunities to sell service agreements. And it's really simple. You followed the pattern for excellence. In other words, you've listened, you've cared. You've got a positive attitude. You're confident. You're well-practiced in what you do. You say yes. You ask the right questions. You build value. You're grateful. At the end, they're going to be wowed. So when you've got a customer that likes you and trusts you, why not at the very end say, Mr. Jones, we're looking at your notes and noticed you don't have a service screen with us. Why not? 
Think about that for just a moment. How many service agreements could you sell if your CSRs are selling service agreements just like your technicians? When you follow the pattern for excellence, you'll create a relationship of trust. Once the relationship of trust is there, the next step is very simple. Mr. Jones, I see you don't have a service agreement with us. Why not? You see, it prevents things like this, the thing that you're dealing with right now from happening. You see, the technician tries to sell it after the fact, whereas the CSR has the opportunity to sell the service agreement while they're dealing with the problem, while the homeowner is dealing with their situation. So you have a higher chance of closing with the CSR. Not only do you have more opportunity with 20 to 30 phone calls a day, but you also have a higher chance of closing it because the customer is dealing with the problem as we speak. Now, if you want to sell more service agreements, don't leave it to just the technicians. Get everybody involved. Create a competition between the call center and the technicians. You're going to be surprised how many service agreements you're able to sell when you get your CSRs and your technicians involved in selling more service agreements. To get a little more detail, I want you to watch this video. I'm going to give you a specific script that you can use as a CSR to sell service agreements. One of the biggest challenges contractors face is managing the slow seasons. The key to that problem is building a solid foundation of service agreement customers. Let me give you a couple of examples. I know of a company that has roughly 20,000 service agreement customers. If they see each of those customers twice in the heating and cooling season, that's 40,000 service calls in the course of a year. That's 150 calls per day. Now think about that for a second. They could stop their marketing tomorrow and the phone would ring thousands of times, 150 calls a day for a year. That, my friends, is what's called job security. Now not everybody's gonna have that kind of volume. Not everybody's a huge company. I remember in 2007 when I bought one of my competitors, they had zero service agreement customers. In a matter of a couple of years, we had built that to 3,000 service customers. It's such an important part of your business because it insulates you against those slow seasons. Let me give you three simple steps that you can use starting today to grow your maintenance base. Number one, every time your CSR schedules a service call, be sure they tell the homeowner, the very last thing they tell the homeowner is be sure and ask the service technician about your discounts. You gotta plant that seed, it's kind of clickbait, right? It puts the homeowner in a situation to where they're gonna be asking your service technician about the discounts. Number two, when your technician gets to the house, make sure one of the things he says or she says is, I understand Mary at the office said you were interested to know more about our discounts, right? Now you've got the service technician bringing up the same conversation. Number three, make sure that your maintenance technician or your service technician has some information on the maintenance agreements. On a simple one sheet of paper, I call it the handoff. So after the initial greeting, before they go start working on the system, simply hand the sheet of paper to the homeowner, and on that sheet of paper is all the information on your maintenance agreement program, including the discounts. As your service technician goes about his business, the homeowner is reviewing the information. Inevitably, that's going to spur a conversation about the maintenance agreement and the discounts the homeowner can get under that agreement. The key to managing the slow times in your business is having that solid foundation of maintenance agreement customers. So go to your CSRs today. Tell them the last thing they should tell the homeowner when they set that appointment is to ask the technician about discounts. Then tell your technicians. The first thing they should talk about is I understand you want information about our discounts and then hand off the information about the maintenance agreement. When that happens, you're gonna have a lot fewer sleepless nights during your slow season. That, my friends, is job security.
Now keep in mind, if you're not a member, fill out the form next to me right here. You're gonna get a free training package for CSRs. In this week's service technician section, I wanna talk about the importance of staying focused on diagnosing problems and recommending solutions. We've talked a lot the last several weeks about goals and mindset and all these different issues that are so very important to your success. But when push comes to shove, at the end of the day when you walk in the house, you got a very simple job. Diagnose problems and recommend solutions. Watch this video with me where I talk about how important this is and exactly how you do it. You know, when you think about a service call, there's really two sections. There's the process of running the service call and then there's the result of what the homeowner does. The process is everything that you do. The result, of course, is whatever the homeowner does. The process of running a service call is about diagnosing problems and recommending solutions. And we'll be talking all about that in the actual process of running a service call. But the bottom line is, is what you do is the process, right? Diagnosing problems, recommending solutions. The result is the homeowner saying yes or no. So your job is to diagnose and recommend. The homeowner's job is to buy or not to buy. And you have to make sure that you keep those two things separated. Because what happens a lot of times is that you start doing the homeowner's job for them, you know, inadvertently. In other words, you start not recommending certain accessories because you've already decided they don't want it or can't afford it. You know what I'm saying? You got to make sure you let them do their job. Your job is to diagnose all the problems and recommend the solutions. That takes a process. Now, it's important to understand that your process should be, must be simple. You got to keep it really simple. I want to share with you a story of one of the most simple yet one of the most effective processes I've ever seen from a, you know, from a service call from any type of service related business. Uh, I want to share with you a video about a man I'll call Joe the Concrete Guy and how effective he was at making sure that his process of diagnosing and recommending did not interfere with my process as a customer of deciding to buy or not to buy. One of the biggest challenges with contractors is that they think that sales is about high pressure. Effective sales is about high service, never about high pressure. Let me give an example of one of the most effective low-key sales presentations I've ever seen in my life. For many years, I lived west of Colorado Springs up in a small town called Woodland Park, Colorado. And it took about a half an hour each day to drive out of the mountains. And as I drove out of the mountains each day, I would go past a little restaurant called the Hungry Bear Restaurant. And as I drove past that restaurant every morning, I would see a white Ford pickup out there with black lettering on there. And all it said was Joe the Concrete Guy and a phone number. So I'd see his truck there every day and I'd get kind of a chuckle. And then one day, about two years after I'm living there, I'm out in my driveway and I realize I need some steps poured at the end of my driveway. So naturally, I think about Joe the Concrete Guy. The next morning, I pull in the restaurant, I get his phone number off the truck, I call him up a couple of days later, and Joe comes out to my house. Now, when Joe pulls into the driveway, he is so down to earth, the basic cool mountain guy, right? He's got long, bushy hair, a big beard, T-shirt, shorts, and flip-flops on, right? Nothing pretentious about this guy, nothing pushy, nothing slick or super sophisticated, right? So Joe gets out of his truck, and he comes down to the edge of the driveway, and I'm explaining to him where I want these steps poured. And every now and then I would look over at Joe, and he was looking at a motorcycle trailer that I had parked next to my driveway in the dirt and the rocks. And so finally I look at Joe and I said, Joe, is there something interesting about the trailer? He says to me, why is your motorcycle trailer parked in the dirt and the rocks? And I looked at him and I said, well, Joe, as you can plainly see, the driveway is not wide enough for the trailer. Joe looks back at me and says, you know, when I'm here pouring your steps, 
I could widen your driveway, right? Instantaneously, my budget goes from 1000 bucks to about 6000 bucks. Now, was Joe high pressure? Was he some slick, you know, snake oil salesman? Of course not. Joe was all about high service. So we write the paperwork up, and at the end, I said, Joe, I got to tell you, that was a beautiful technique to get the average ticket up. He goes, what do you mean technique? And he goes, that was just common sense. I said, well, I know it's common sense, but it was a brilliant use of the technique. He looks at me and he says this, Mr. Long, what does it say on the side of my truck? And I look over at his truck and I said, well, it says Joe the concrete guy, right? He goes, yeah, concrete is the operative word there. It doesn't say Joe the concrete window siding roofing guy. It says Joe the concrete guy. That's all I do. That's all I've ever done in my life. For 40 years, I've been pouring concrete in these mountains. And I learned a long time ago, the best way to serve my customers is that when I walk on a piece of property, I look for every problem that concrete can solve. You see, that's a professional approach to sales. Our job is to walk into the house and look for every problem that heating and air conditioning, indoor air quality, airflow, whatever it is, you gotta look for every problem that your products and services can solve. That's how you sell like a professional. And that, my friend, is not high pressure. That's about high service. You know, you can see there how effective Joe was, right? He didn't care about, you know, whether I said yes or no to widening my driveway. The reality is his job was to find every problem that concrete could solve. Well, that's what your job is in the house, to make sure you find every problem that your heating and air conditioning and indoor air quality expertise can solve for your homeowners. That's your job. You have to stay focused on your process of diagnosing problems and recommending solutions and let the homeowner decide what they're going to buy or not buy. Now, when you begin this process of diagnosing and recommending, it's critically important that you have a consistent process. As you know, consistent activities produce consistent results. After all, I wrote a book on that called The Power of Consistency. If you do the right things on a consistent basis, you get the right things on a consistent basis. So join me in this video where I talk about the importance of consistent activities. You know, in life, there's a very simple, you know, truism, and that is consistent results come from consistent activities. Random results come from random activities. So if you want consistently good results in your service career, for example, you have to have consistent activities. In other words, if you have lots of good outcomes, you do lots of good repairs, it's because you have consistent diagnostic activities. That consistency, the repeatable nature of that diagnostic delivers the right results. If you randomly just started you know, testing parts and tearing parts out of an air conditioner and randomly throwing them back in, what would the quality of your service call look like? The quality of your repair? Probably not very good. Because the quality that you deliver on a consistent basis comes from your process. You have a process in terms of how you diagnose a problem with the system. Well, the same rule holds true in the sales side of your career. Random sales results come from random sales activities. Consistent sales results comes from consistent sales activities. So you have to have a process that you engage in on a consistent basis. If you go on 10 service calls and you randomly diagnose and repair things, you're going to have 10 you know, really poor quality service calls. Well, same thing in sales. If you have 10 service calls, the sales part of that call, if you have random activities, kind of randomly recommend this and randomly recommend that, you're going to have random activities, random results, right? So we got to make sure we have a consistent approach to the sales process, just like you have a consistent approach to your diagnostic and repair process. Now, when you think about your process, your process is to be like Joe the concrete guy. Your job is to diagnose all of the problems in the house and recommend solutions. The homeowner may not buy all those solutions and that's perfectly fine. Again, that's their job to buy or not to buy. 
Your job is to diagnose all the problems and recommend the solutions. It's kind of the expectation we have of all professionals. We expect the professionals in our lives to diagnose problems and tell us about those problems, and then we'll decide what we're going to buy or not to buy. I want to share with you another video that illustrates the problem of a professional finding one problem and then ignoring a more serious problem. One of the biggest challenges contractors face is managing the slow seasons. The key to that problem is building a solid foundation of service agreement customers. Let me give you a couple of examples. I know of a company that has roughly 20,000 service agreement customers. If they see each of those customers twice in the heating and cooling season, that's 40,000 service calls in the course of a year. That's 150 calls per day. Now think about that for a second. They could stop their marketing tomorrow and the phone would ring thousands of times, 150 calls a day for a year. That, my friends, is what's called job security. Now, not everybody's gonna have that kind of volume. Not everybody's a huge company. I remember in 2007 when I bought one of my competitors, they had zero service agreement customers. In a matter of a couple of years, we had built that to 3,000 service customers. It's such an important part of your business because it insulates you against those slow seasons. Let me give you three simple steps that you can use starting today to grow your maintenance base. Number one, every time your CSR schedules a service call, be sure they tell the homeowner, the very last thing they tell the homeowner is be sure and ask the service technician about your discounts. You gotta plant that seed, it's kinda clickbait, right? It puts the homeowner in a situation to where they're gonna be asking your service technician about the discounts. Number two, when your technician gets to the house, make sure one of the things he says or she says is, I understand Mary at the office said you were interested to know more about our discounts, right? Now you've got the service technician bringing up the same conversation. Number three, make sure that your maintenance technician or your service technician has some information on the maintenance agreements. On a simple one sheet of paper, I call it the handoff. So after the initial greeting, before they go start working on the system, simply hand the sheet of paper to the homeowner, and on that sheet of paper is all the information on your maintenance agreement program, including the discounts. As your service technician goes about his business, the homeowner is reviewing the information. Inevitably, that's going to spur a conversation about the maintenance agreement and the discounts the homeowner can get under that agreement. The key to managing the slow times in your business is having that solid foundation of maintenance agreement customers. So go to your CSRs today. Tell them the last thing they should tell the homeowner when they set that appointment is to ask the technician about discounts. Then tell your technicians. The first thing they should talk about is I understand you want information about our discounts and then hand off the information about the maintenance agreement. When that happens, you're gonna have a lot fewer sleepless nights during your slow season. That, my friends, is job security. You see, our responsibility, just like that doctor, is to tell our customer, our homeowner, our patient about all the problems. It's their decision to buy what they think they should buy or not to buy. I mean, how would you like it if your doctor said, well, you know, I was going to tell you about the heart problem, but I, I got to thinking you probably couldn't afford heart surgery, right? You don't want your doctor qualifying you on budget. You don't want your doctor deciding what you can and can't afford. You want your doctor to tell you about the problems and the potential solutions, and then you can make your decision. It's the same way in our business. We have to diagnose all the problems in the house. And you'll see in the process how we present those solutions, and then you simply let your homeowner make the decision of what they're going to buy or not to buy. You have to have a process. Your process, plain and simple, is to diagnose problems and recommend solutions. Your homeowner's job is to buy them or not buy them, right? Diagnose and recommend, let them buy or not to buy. That's how simple this process is. 
Don't be worried about whether or not they're going to buy those solutions or reject those solutions. It doesn't matter. Your job is to diagnose the problems. I know I'm repeating myself here, and I hope you'll say it with me. Your job is to diagnose and recommend. Your homeowner's job is to buy or not to buy, right? You got to stay focused on your job and let the homeowner stay focused on their job. And once again, remember, if you're not an EGI member, fill out the form to the right, and you're going to get a free sample training package for service technicians. In this week's sales advisor segment, I'm going to talk to you about the comfort survey, why it's so important. Right? You got to make sure that as you're going through the process of investigating problems, you got to have a specific series of questions that you're asking to uncover any hidden problems. So watch this video as I talk about how to do it and why it's so important. In this module, we're going to discuss step three. Step three is really about surveying the system and the home and building what we call relative perceived value. Step three is something you've engaged in, again, probably a million times as, uh, as you've been on service calls and sales calls over the course of your career. But in this step, I'm going to define specifically what you're trying to accomplish. Again, I think it's so important not to just barge through the call and go through the motions. Understand what you're trying to accomplish in each step. In steps one and two, of course, we're going to accomplish our introduction, building our credibility, and getting permission from the homeowner to bring other problems to their attention. In step three, we are going to survey the home, we're going to survey the system, and build relative perceived value. Now again, if you're on a service call, uh, obviously you're going to, uh, once you get permission from your homeowner to start your call basically, you're going to go look at the system, but you're also going to want to look around the house and find other problems. If you're on a sales call, you're going to, at this point, start looking at the system too. Now I will tell you that there are some sales professionals and some service technicians that like to do this in two separate parts. And, and here's what I mean. They like to kind of get to the kitchen table first and have a preliminary conversation and then go look at the system and the rest of the house. Uh, I'm not going to tell you that you cannot do that, but what I will do is to share with you my permission. I used to do it that way. When I would first walk in the house, I would go straight to the kitchen table. I would try to have a preliminary conversation and start building the relationship. Of course, you're building the relationship the entire time you're talking to your homeowner. But what I have found is that when I go to the kitchen table first and have a preliminary conversation, and then I get up and go look at the system, look at the house, sometimes it can be very, very difficult to get the homeowners corralled back to the, uh, back to the kitchen table. The reason for that is very simple. Once they sit down with you for 10 or 15 or 20 minutes, and then you get up and go look at the system, they think that their part in the call is over. They think that, oh, this part's done, now he goes and does his work. So what I've learned to do is I want to go look at the house, even on a sales call. Once I get permission from my homeowner in, in step two, I'm going to go survey the house and survey the equipment and start taking my measurements. Now, as you'll see, I always get the homeowners involved with me, which we'll talk about in a moment. But I like to get all that stuff out of the way and then come back to the kitchen table starting in step four. And then I'm not leaving that kitchen table until I leave the house hopefully with an installation date and a credit card or a signature or something, right? So I like to get that done in one time just because I found that homeowners, if I sit down with them at the kitchen table, kind of have this preliminary discussion, and then I go look at the house, I come back, it's hard to, hard to get them back together. So I wait, get my, my information first or my system, measure the house, then come back to the kitchen table, round them up, let's go to work, and I'm going to do my entire presentation. So uh, keep in mind that uh, if you want to do it in both, you know, some people like to kind of split this step up and have a little conversation at the kitchen table, then go look at the equipment in the house. If you want to do that, I'm not going to tell you you can't. I'm just telling you my personal experience. If you can get the survey done first, 
then come back to the kitchen table, you're going to find yourself able to keep control of that process a little bit better. And every little bit helps, right? So again, getting back to surveying the home and surveying the system. You've done this a million times. You're simply going to look at the system, uh, do your diagnostic if there's a problem. If uh, you're just there to look at a new system, you're going to measure the house and get the inf information on, on the equipment. You've done this, like I say, a million times. The key is I want you to think about how you build value in this process because, listen, I know that we don't want the homeowner looking over our shoulder while you're doing a repair or diagnostic or measuring the house sometimes. But the reality is you've got to get your homeowner involved in that process because that is what builds real value. Now, as you go through your process, obviously we want to build value with the homeowners. That's the kind of the key component of everything we're trying to do. But when you talk about value, we're talking about relative perceived value, RPV. I want you to watch this video where I discuss the importance of RPV and how you can leverage that understanding to delivering better value to your customers. Let's talk about value in its real technical terms in terms of business applications. You know, we all have heard about value. You want to build value, you want to add value, you want to be a value creator, a value adder, all these different things. But I want to talk to you about value from a very specific uh, definition and how you can use the survey of the home and the survey of the system to increase and to add value to your homeowner. You know, you've got to think about it. Part of the, the value, a huge part of the value that you individually bring to the table is your expertise, your ability to diagnose problems your, uh, with the system, with the furnace, with the air conditioner, which whatever it is. Uh, also, your ability to solve airflow problems if you're designing a new system. So you have this ability to, to, to solve these problems for your homeowner, and that is a lot of value. But the thing is, if your homeowner doesn't see you do these things, there is no value added. In other words, if you do it uh, privately, if, if you're solving some major problem for your homeowner and they're upstairs, then there's not really any value added because value is what we call relative perceived value. So let's talk about each of these components individually. Let's talk about how value is relative. What this means is that the value of something is different for everybody and it's different for different people in different situations. So the customer can perceive, one customer might perceive uh, a pair of shoes, for example, as very high value. Another customer may not perceive them as value at all, right? If you live in Western society, you value shoes. But if you live you know, in the jungle somewhere, maybe you've never even seen shoes, so they don't have as much value to you. Uh, value is relative to different people in different situations. For example, if you came to me right now and you walked in our studio and you said, hey, Wally, I've got a bottle of water right here. Uh, you can have it for $100. Well, I'm probably going to say, well, no, I'm not going to pay you $100. It doesn't have $100 worth of value to me because I have my own bottle of water right here next to it, right? So in that situation, uh, relative to my current situation, I'm not going to pay you 100 bucks for that bottle of water. On the other hand, let's say I was out hiking in the desert of Arizona or Nevada and I got lost and I was stranded in the desert for a few days. And just as I come crawling out of the desert, you're standing there with a bottle of water. And you say, hey, you can have this bottle of water here for 100 bucks, right? I'm probably going to give you the 100 bucks if I have it on me. I'm going to give you the 100 bucks for your bottle of water because the situation, the circumstances are so different. So you have to understand value is relative. It's different with different people, and it also changes sometimes even with the same person because their circumstances change. This is really important for a simple reason. I know that a lot of times with service techs that uh, have the responsibility, of course, of going in and diagnosing problems and recommending solutions and making repairs, but we also want you to get really good at the sales part of your job, which is to identify other problems in the house and solve those problems as well. 
Well, I've heard many service technicians say that, you know, they'll go to a home and the homeowner will say something like, you know, every time you guys come here, you're trying to sell me something. Well, that's true because that's your job. Your job is to diagnose problems and recommend solutions, which some people interpret as sales, but in reality, you're just diagnosing problems and recommending solutions. But here's why it's important. Remember, the circumstances with each uh, homeowner, with each person can change over time. So in other words, you might go in and recommend an indoor air quality system on one call and the homeowner say, you know, I, I don't have any value. There's no value in that for me, right? Well, you might come back six months later and maybe the daughter has developed allergies. And so now all of a sudden when you bring up indoor air quality, all of a sudden the homeowner says, oh, as a matter of fact, my, my daughter just got diagnosed with, uh, you know, allergies, you know, whatever. And so all of a sudden his circumstances change and because value is relative to that situation, now all of a sudden he might be more interested. So don't just assume because you offer an accessory or some product or service to a homeowner and they don't want it now, that doesn't mean they're not going to want it in six months. Again, I don't want your water right now, but if I'm stranded in the desert, I will want your water and probably will pay whatever you want for me to get it. So understand that value is relative. It's different with people and it's different depending on the circumstances. The next part of this is perception. It's a relative perceived value. And by perceived, it means I have to know about it. I have to perceive it. I have to see it. This is why it's so important to get your homeowner involved in the survey of the system in the house. Because so much of the value that you're going to add is a reflection of what your homeowners see you doing. In other words, when they see you diagnose something, when they see you, you know, solve a, a ductwork problem, when they see you do something, that adds value. Remember, we talked about earlier that, you know, one of the big things in, in sales we have to do is to build trust. And you build trust through a combination of high character and high competency. Well, the high character is you keeping your word, doing the things that, uh, that you say you're going to do, being honest with your, with your customer. But the competency comes from the survey of the equipment in the house. This is where people get faith and trust in your competence to solve their problems. But again, they have to see you do it because if they don't see it, they don't perceive it, it doesn't exist. So you can do something extraordinary for a homeowner, but if they don't see you do it, it has no value. You can't expect them just to know. So one of the things that's really important that you do is to get your homeowner involved with that process. Mr. and Mrs. Homeowner, I'm gonna go check out the system now and survey the house. It's really helpful if you can accompany me during this process. And just start bringing them along with you. Get them involved in the process. You won't be able to 100% of the time, but you will be in many cases. And so you just gotta play the probability and do the very best you can. I remember one time I was uh, on a service call uh, with a guy doing a ride along. And we got to the house and knocked on the door. We were just there, by the way, for a maintenance call, just a routine maintenance. Uh, the guy had a maintenance contract. We knock on the door and the technician introduces himself and says, hey, we're gonna you know, go ahead and take a look around if we find any other problems in the house. Uh, is that something you would like us to bring to your attention? He was saying us, because I was with him. And the homeowner turns to him and says, if you can do it in 30 seconds, right? Total jerk. If you can do it in 30 seconds, right? And then he turned around and walked away and left us standing in the doorway. As it turned out, the guy worked out of the house, his office was in the house, and he was very, very busy, right? So we went on about our business. We couldn't get him to go with us, but the technician went down and did the basic service. And then he looked around the house and he found some other issues with a water heater. He found a plumbing issue. He was a plumber also. He found two or three other problems. So he went down to the homeowner and he knocked on the office door and he said, sir, if we could just take just a couple of minutes, I know you're really busy. I want to share with you a couple of the problems I found around the house that you wanted me to bring to your attention. Now I can't do it in 30 seconds, but I'll do it as quickly as I can. Homeowner says, all right, let's go. 
The next thing I know, we spend an hour and a half with that homeowner walking around the house finding different problems, right? An hour and a half. The same guy who said we had 30 seconds, all of a sudden, once he got interested, once he found out what some of the problems were, then he got interested, he ends up spending an hour and a half with us uh, talking with the technician about all these different problems. And he identified other problems that we overlooked that we wouldn't even have known about. He goes, oh, by the way, I'm having this problem with, you know, with this thing, with that thing. Next thing you know, we've got about $3,000 in minor HVAC and plumbing repairs on a $69 or $79 service call, right? $3,000 because this technician took the time to get the homeowner involved in the process. The crazy thing was, by the time we ended up doing all the repairs, took another couple of hours or whatever, once the technician got finished and started talking to the homeowner at the very end to get the ticket paid, the homeowner starts breaking down and crying. Turns out he was on his way to a therapy appointment for psychotherapy for a dog that had just been killed by one of his other dogs. And he didn't know if he's got the, he already lost one dog because the other dog killed it. Now he may have to put down his other dog. And he was so stressed out and he ends up sharing these really, you know, detailed personal parts of his life with, the, with, with us after we spent the time. So you've got to take the time to get people involved. Even when they don't want to, just say, listen, it'll just take a second. I want to share with you a few items that I saw. Some people will jump in with you and they want to be involved, and that's great. Sometimes you got to kind of pull them kicking and screaming. But once you get them involved in the process, you'll be amazed how their attitude can change. And here's the best part. You know, we've all had the experience where you find additional repairs or additional accessories you want to talk to your homeowner about. Sometimes they can be a little bit sketchy, a little bit suspicious, like, uh, was there really a problem here? Was there really a problem there? But if they're with you when you discover the problem, you have 100% credibility. In other words, if you're diagnosing something and you see, you know, you got your amp meter on there and you see you got a high amperage on startup or something like that, you don't just have to go tell your homeowner, by the way, your motor's fixing to go out because they might be a little bit, you know, suspicious. But if they're right there with you and you're testing the startup amperage, the startup current, and then they see, you know, the spike, you can say, you see that right there? That means there's something going on inside that motor and it's drawing too much amperage. So they see it and all of a sudden when you recommend 800 bucks or a thousand bucks for a new motor, guess what? They're going to know it's true. They, they were right there with you, right? Which, by the way, is probably going to lead to a whole new furnace. But my point is, is that there's so much credibility if you can get them involved in the diagnostic and the surveying process. And they will perceive, they will see everything you're talking about. So keep that in mind. When you're talking about value, you're talking about relative perceived value. It's relative, it's different for every customer, and it's different for every customer in every situation because customer circumstances change. And when their circumstances change, a lot of times what's important to them, what they value, can also change. And then keep in mind, it's about perception. They have to see you, get involved with your expertise, get involved with the survey of the system, the diagnostic of the system, measuring the house, because them seeing that is going to build additional value if they perceive it. If you do it secretly, they're never gonna know. So keep that in mind. Get your homeowner involved in step three. Survey the system, survey the home, and get them involved in that process. Let them see you work your magic. Let them see that you have high character and you have high competency. Those things are going to translate into more yeses, higher average tickets, and of course, higher income.
Thank you so much, folks, for watching the show this week on Cracking the Code. Remember, if you're a CSR, you got to do your thing. You got to book the calls. You got to keep the board full. And of course, you got to sell service agreements. As a service technician, diagnose and recommend. Do your thing, right? Don't get complicated. Don't do the homeowner's job. Diagnose and recommend like a boss. And as a sales advisor, critically important that you use the comfort survey to uncover hidden problems so you can offer solutions to those homeowners, which will drive the average ticket. So we appreciate you joining us. We'll see you next week here on Cracking the Code. Until then, have a great week, everybody. Bye-bye for now.